Welcome to All Vampires Are Gay, a serialized narrative podcast created by Corbin Rosewood. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all major podcasting platforms. If you like the show, please consider supporting our work. All Vampires Are Gay is made possible because of listeners like you. You can help out by becoming a patron, shopping our merch, and of course, telling your friends about the show. You can find all the ways to support us and more at our website, CorbinRosewood.com. Corbin here. I just wanted to let you know that if you want to send me an email, I absolutely love hearing from listeners. My email is hello at CorbinRosewood.com. Now on with the show. Episode 15. That's not apricot. Welcome. I'm Corwin Rosewood, and tonight we return to a group of vampires on edge, waiting to see when the battle will truly begin. Scene. Pendragon. University. There was a chill in the air as Victor slowly made his way up the steep hillside to Pendragon. All had been relatively quiet the last week after he saw Lyran, but it felt like there was something simmering just below the surface. He could feel the tension building in Samson and Jin as they struggled to find answers about the Dagger of Anchi. Things had even been a little strained between him and Robert, although he couldn't quite put his finger on why. Mostly, things had been wonderful with Robert. When Victor wasn't needed for espionage, they'd been going on dates, dancing in clubs, and lounging in bed. But sometime after Victor saw Lyran, it had started to feel sort of strange. Robert seemed quiet, withdrawn, and very distracted. He had checked if Robert was okay, and he said he was. Things seemed great on the surface, but Victor felt like something was off. He listened to the click of his boots on the sidewalk and took a long drag of his cigarette, watching the cloud puff out into the air in front of him. The nagging thought of Robert's humanity popped into his head again. It had started popping in every time he was alone, ever since that day at the farmer's market. He kept thinking about how short human lifespans were, how fragile they were, how he couldn't protect Robert, and eventually he would have to move on. That was the only option for a vampire when they fell in love with a human, to break their heart and move along. He shook his long black hair out of his eyes and pushed up his dark sunglasses. He didn't have time for such macabre thoughts right now. He had a lovely boyfriend and things were going great. Why couldn't he just leave it at that? Why did he have to overthink everything? And besides, he had much bigger things to worry about today. He crested the hill and crushed his cigarette under his black leather boot as the looming shape of Pendragon came into view. He focused his senses into his body, his speed, his movement, 
and soon he felt the wind rushing through his hair, his long coat flapping in the biting cold air as he ran towards the university with supernatural speed. Victor adored running in the city, the cold air rushing past him. He loved what his body could do. Running, leaping, and jumping were his favorite parts of being a vampire. It felt amazing to not be tethered to the ground and the boring little human forms of transportation. He sometimes wished he had wings like Jin. Flying through the night sky deeply appealed to him, but they came with a lot of complications. In fact, he'd barely ever seen Jin use them since they were dangerous and incredibly conspicuous. For now, he was more than happy to fly with his legs across the last few miles to Pendragon. Soon enough, he had arrived at the campus. It was fairly quiet this afternoon as the students were all in classes. He went around the Eastern Wing and entered through Jin's garden entrance, activating the spells written in Korean on the door. Jin poked her head out of the library, looking sleep-deprived and stressed. Victor felt that simmering feeling again, like a bowstring being pulled tight, like everything was about to explode. How's it going? he asked her. Jin frowned. Not good. I'm glad you're here. You must be really desperate if you're asking me for help with research, Victor said. You know I'm terrible at this stuff. We're desperate. Jin confirmed, motioning Victor to follow her into the library. She trotted ahead of him, focused and anxious, not even stopping to see if he followed. When they entered the room, Samson briefly looked up from the oversized, leather-bound book they were reading and nodded to acknowledge Victor's presence. Jin handed Victor a similar book and a stack of notepads, pens, and sticky notes. You can make notes in here and use the sticky notes to clarify what you've found. Different colors mean different things. Has Samson explained the system to you? Victor nodded. Yes, they sent me a very thoughtful spreadsheet this morning. Samson waved finger guns at them without looking up from their reading. Victor sighed and took his book and found a spot close to the fireplace to warm up from the chilly day outside. Victor picked up some crackers and cheese from the chartouserie spread on the table and nibbled on them while he began looking at the book. It was called Vampiric Folklore of the Middle Ages and Beyond. Hmm, he thought, that could be interesting. Perhaps it would be full of magic and mystery. A few hours and a dozen sticky notes later, Victor was quite tired of vampiric folklore. The book was not, in fact, filled with magic and mystery, but instead pontificating and footnotes. So many footnotes. He was nearly falling asleep with boredom when something finally caught his eye. He saw a short verse in italics at the bottom of an otherwise boring page. Victor leapt up and shouted in delight, I found something! Jin and Samson both looked up in surprise. Truthfully, they had not expected Victor to be very helpful. He rushed across the room with the book held out in his hands. Then he read the verse aloud. When the midnight moon rises above the rowan tree, 
a true heart may find old Mary to lead you to the dagger of Anshi. Ooh, that's amazing, Jin exclaimed. What else does it say? Victor scanned the page, flipping ahead a page and checking that too. Then his shoulders drooped. That's it. That's all it says. He flopped down with a dramatic sigh. It's useless. Jin still looked excited. I'm not entirely sure about that. May I take a look? Victor handed her the book, and she began looking it over, nudging her glasses up on her nose. Hmm, this verse looks sort of out of place, she said. It looks like someone added it later. That's promising, Samson said, intrigued. Jin nodded. Yes, see this slight paper discoloration here? She held out the book for the rest of them to inspect. Victor couldn't tell the difference at all, but he nodded along anyway. Also, this black is a little warmer than the black printing on the rest of the page. I think this book has been altered, Jin said, with barely contained excitement. There may be more information hidden in this book. When I was reading it, I noticed an abnormal amount of footnotes, Victor suggested. Perhaps it's a cipher, Jin said, her eyes wide. She began flipping through the pages and looking back at the numbers. She frowned and handed the book to Samson. They wrote down some of the footnote numbers and checked them back again on the original note, then frowned like Jin. I don't think it's a cipher. I think this author just really likes footnotes, Samson said. Damn it, Victor said. I thought we had something. Samson was still going over the book with an appraising look. I wouldn't be so quick to dismiss it. There may still be something here. Sometimes when witches and other magic workers hide information in old books, they don't use ciphers. They may have concealed the information so only a certain type of reader could find it. Jin's eyes lit up. <gasps> I know, we should use the Inglox machine. Samson glared at her and their irritation was palpable. Thank you, but I don't have three months to find out where the dagger might be. It might not take that long, Jin replied. I think it's worth a shot. When you made me buy that thing, you did not make it clear how long it would take to get information out of it, Samson said tartly. It's still a valuable research tool, Jin exclaimed. I didn't buy a research tool for academic nonsense, Samson countered. I bought something to help us solve problems today. It might still do that, Jin said nervously. You never know with magic. I still think it's worth trying. Samson sighed. <sighs> no, we are not trying that thing again. Besides, I may be able to solve this right now. They reached down to a large leather duffel bag on the floor and set it on the table beside them. They began to pull out an array of metallic electronic instruments and lay them carefully on the table. They mostly looked like scanners or something like that, but Victor wasn't sure. What's all that? he asked. Scanners for all types of possible hidden information, Samson replied. They pointed to each of the various devices. Dirt, pages glued together, invisible ink, blacked out words, and blood. If the information is here through any traditional means, we'll find it. Samson sat down and began waving the wands over the pages one at a time. Finally, they reached the one for blood and Victor held his breath. Something told him this was it. 
Samson turned on the machine and it made a buzzing sound as it illuminated the page with the blue light. Immediately, they saw three words written in a strange script directly below the verse about the rowan tree. Jin let out a gasp as they looked at the words. The words revealed were Swain's Valyrian Locket. Anyone know what it means? Samson asked. They all shook their heads. I know what Valyrian is, of course, Jin said. It's a common herb, very useful for falling asleep and anxiety. Um, I'm guessing locket probably means a locket, Victor said. They all nodded their agreement while looking at the mysterious words. No idea how that could be related to the dagger, though, he added. Samson tapped their chin. Swains, Swains, it feels so familiar, but I can't remember where I've heard it before. Maybe it's a typo, Victor said. Maybe they meant swans. Jin and Samson both looked at him like he'd suggested the dagger was on the moon. What? Victor said. People don't make typos in ancient magical texts? Samson rolled their eyes. No, they usually don't make typos in hidden magic code. Jin, meanwhile, was furiously looking things up on her phone. A swain is an older term for a lover or paramour, she declared. She looked up hopefully to see if this would make the meaning clear to anyone. When she got blank stares back, she looked at her phone again. It says it could less commonly refer to a country youth. Perhaps the dagger is at a school in the countryside, hidden under a rowan tree. But what countryside? Where? What school? Victor said. This doesn't even specify a continent. Samson sighed. Maybe this is just another dead end. We may never know what this means. Sometimes with old texts like this, the answer is not for the modern readers. Maybe we should put it in the Inglox machine? Jin suggested timidly. Samson gave her a glare that could have lit the fireplace and turned back to the book they had been reading. Let's keep searching, everyone. Thank you for finding this, Victor. You've done good work here. Victor sighed and took the book back over to his spot by the fireplace, adding a pink sticky note for the page and continuing on with his boring reading. Scene, Jin's Kitchen. It was a few hours and absolutely no new information later, and Victor's brain was turning to mush. He slammed the exhausting book closed and stood up, declaring, I need tea and snacks. Jin quickly put her book down and jumped up too. I'll help you, she said, rushing him out of the room before Samson could say anything. I need to talk to you, she added as she pushed Victor into the cozy kitchen. All right. Victor said, sitting down at the big table and pulling out his cigarettes. Can I have one? Jin asked. Really? Victor asked, surprised. You never smoke. Jin shrugged as she pulled a cigarette from Victor's pack. I'm going through a lot right now. More than the Chevaliers? Victor asked. Jin nodded. Yes, I wanted to talk to you about Apricot. 
I know, it's stupid to bring up relationship stuff at a time like this, but you seem like you would understand. Victor frowned. Because unlike Samson, I'm totally frivolous and always obsessing about my relationships. Your words, not mine, Jin chuckled, picking up the lighter with a devilish grin. She lit up the cigarette and inhaled. After a moment, she began coughing violently, holding the burning cigarette away from her face. Victor took the cigarette from her and put it in an ashtray, getting up to pour her a glass of water. He handed her the drink and said, Please, God, don't try to smoke, Jin. You're too nerdy for this. You don't need to prove anything to me. I'll talk to you about apricot, okay? Jin gratefully drank the water and set it down on the table. Fine, I won't try to smoke again, she conceded. It just seems to relax you, and I could really use that right now. Stick to your herbal teas, darling, Victor said, lighting up and perching on a chair. Now tell me about your girlfriend problems. She's not my girlfriend, Jin said with a frown. Right, right, I remember. You're like pretending to not be dating or whatever, but she's totally into you. <sighs> I don't know about that, Jin replied, putting her hands around the glass of water and staring into it. You are correct about one thing. I've certainly fallen for her. I thought maybe there was something there. We seem to have a chemistry, but when I approached her about it, things got strange. Right at that moment, there was a loud thump in the main room. Victor sat up on alert. What was that? Probably Apricot, Jin said. She mentioned she was coming over later today. Victor listened to a few more thumps, but then he heard the sound of Samson talking and figured it must be fine. He turned his attention back to Jin. What happened, he asked. Jin looked up, her eyes full of sadness. She has a fiance. Victor took a drag on his cigarette. Damn, that's a lot. And it gets worse, Jin moaned. He's a stockbroker. Oh, disgusting, Victor said, shaking his head. Why would anyone turn you down for a stockbroker? Well, she didn't turn me down exactly, Jin said, fidgeting with a thread on her oversized sweater. It was more like I hinted that I was single and she rushed in to tell me about her fiance. It felt like she was trying to get it out before I confessed my feelings. Victor heard voices in the main room getting louder. A man's voice, one he recognized from somewhere. He held up a finger to silence Jin and moved closer to the door, focusing his hearing. You need to know something, Samson was saying. There's no time, said the man. I totally blew my cover. They're tailing me. They'll be here any minute. They found me going through Liren's apartment. We fought briefly and they took my protection amulet, but I managed to escape. I didn't know what to do, so I came to you. I'm sorry. You did the right thing, Samson assured him. How did you know where I was? I found this tracker in Liren's apartment. He has one on all of you, the man said, his voice getting more anxious by the minute. Okay, but listen to me. There's something you should know, Samson tried to say. It can wait, the man shouted. We should already be hiding or getting weapons. They were close on my tail. We don't have much time. Suddenly, the voice clicked in Victor's mind, and he bellowed, That's not Apricot! Before violently storming through the kitchen door to the main room, seething with rage. Robert was standing there in a tattered blouse with bloodstains on it, 
his hair disheveled and eyes wide with fear. He looked up at Victor and said, Oh, shit. That's what I was trying to tell you, Samson said. Victor is here. Yes, I can see that, Robert replied. But honestly, Victor's drama is the least of our problems right now. Excuse me? Victor said, shrieking like a banshee. What the hell is going on? Robert's right. There really isn't time, Samson said. Can you get Jin? Liren is coming here to kill Robert and possibly us. We're going to the tunnels. Jin was already standing at the door of the kitchen, taking in the situation with surprise and confusion. I'll run ahead and begin the spells, she said, grabbing a spellbook and running into the other room. Where's she going? Robert asked. To the tunnels, Samson said, running after her. Robert followed, with Victor close behind. A few moments later, they arrived at the other side of the university library, where Jin was furiously whispering incantations at one of the bookshelves. What's happening? Robert asked. There are hidden tunnels under the university, Samson explained. We closed them up with spells so we could use them for our own purposes. Jin is performing the unlocking spells so we can get in. I forgot all about these, Victor said, as some of the books begin to glow in the shape of a large pentacle. Samson turned to Robert. How many? Who is coming? Mm, not sure exact numbers, Robert replied. Lirin, my sister Violet, at least eight other vampires, but not the Chevaliers. What the hell is going on? Victor asked loudly. Not now, Victor, Samson said sternly. We need you to listen for the enemy's approach. Victor glared very aggressively, but nodded his agreement and crouched on the floor. He tried very hard to focus on faraway sounds, but it wasn't easy as his head was spinning with the experience of hearing Robert and Samson continue to converse about their mutual enemies. Why not the Chevaliers? Samson asked. They're out of town, Robert said, slightly amused. They have gone to London to pursue some leads. Liren believes that's where they can find the Dagger of Anshi. They're hoping to find it before you do. Jin stopped mumbling, and the pentacle began to glow white-hot, and then the bookshelves swung open to reveal a dimly lit stone corridor. Victor stood up. They're here, he said. They are working on busting through Jin's front door charms, it looks like their witch is confident she can break them quickly. Jin looked distressed, but didn't say anything. She just turned and darted into the hallway. She picked up a box of long matches just inside the door and began to light the sconces in the cramped hallway as she descended downwards. Victor and Robert followed, with Samson pulling the doors to the library closed behind them. They walked down the narrow hallway for a moment before it opened up into a larger tunnel, its sides lined with shelves filled with all kinds of magical items. Dusty potion bottles with amber stoppers, stacks of parchment with enchantments scribbled on them, swords with glowing runes running up the side. Victor didn't notice any of it, though. He was far too focused on the burning rage growing within him. 
He clenched his fists to contain himself until he knew the doors were locked and the protection spells in place. And then he turned on Samson. How could you do this? What the hell is wrong with you? He demanded. Samson looked confused. I mean, I was just doing my job. Doing your job? Since when is forcing my boyfriend to spy on Liren for you, to infiltrate his organization doing your job? What were you thinking? He's a fucking human, Samson! You've gone too far this time. I can't believe you. Samson looked nervous, but didn't say anything in response. They just shifted their eyes from side to side. That's not what happened, Robert said quietly. Victor turned to look at him, and when he saw the look in his eyes, his world turned upside down. What? Victor said, his voice barely a whisper. Part of him knew what Robert was going to say, but he couldn't believe it. This couldn't be happening. He didn't know if he could handle a betrayal like this again. Robert took a deep breath. I was working for Liren from the beginning, before we ever met. He wanted me to distract you so that he would be free to work on his big project without your interference. Victor stared at him blankly, feeling a cold pit of despair opening up inside him. No, no, no. It felt like Julian all over again. Robert looked terrified, but he continued on with a shaky voice. Liren said I should just be myself and you would fall for me, which he wasn't wrong about. Then I was supposed to dig for information and keep you busy. But what he didn't count on was me falling for you too. When that happened, you made me realize I was fighting for the wrong side. It's quite impressive, actually, Samson said. Maybe I should use you on more spying missions. You clearly have a knack for convincing people to our cause. Shut up, Victor spat, glaring at them. Samson shrugged and Robert continued. As I got to know you, I realized you were one of the good guys. That day on the beach was, um, it was really special. After that, I knew I had to do something. So I reached out to Samson about switching sides, uh, becoming a double agent. Maybe that way I could make up for my mistakes. Whose idea was it to keep this from me? Victor asked, but he already knew the answer. Why didn't you tell me first? Um, Robert said, looking nervously at Samson. I, I did want to tell you, but they said you wouldn't understand. You betrayed me, Victor said coldly, his eyes fixed on Samson. Don't be so dramatic, Samson said. We were going to tell you eventually, but if you knew, you would have acted exactly like this and blown his cover immediately. He was far more useful to us if Liren didn't know he was on our side. Who cares about Liren? What about me? Victor said. I figured you'd get over it, and you will, Samson said steadfastly. It's not that big a deal. Your boyfriend, you've known a few weeks, was a fake spy meant to entrap you. So what? Excuse me, this is a huge deal, Victor said. Everything about this is not okay. It does seem like kind of a big deal, Robert agreed. Stay out of this, traitor, Victor snapped. Robert looked hurt, but he kept quiet. What about you? Did you know as well? Victor asked, turning on Jin. 
Jin looked up from the shelves where she had been sorting through potion bottles. No, but I really don't think this is the time to talk about this, she said, returning to her work. Now is the perfect time to talk about this, Victor fumed, while we wait for his boss to come banging down our door. Samson is my boss now, Robert said, putting his shoulders back, folding his arms, and staring Victor down. They were interrupted by the sound of a phone ringing. Robert pulled out his phone and held it out. Liren was calling. See what I mean, Victor sneered. We should answer, Samson said, nodding to Robert. Robert nodded back and answered the call, putting it on speaker. As soon as he did, a horrible wailing sound came through the phone, filling the small tunnel with sound. What the hell is that sound? Victor asked, wincing. Oh no, Jin said. The howling quieted down and Liren's voice came through the phone. Well, good evening, everyone, traitors and all, he said cheerfully. We've got her and her whiny dog, too, so come on out of your hiding spot and let's play. The line went dead. Robert put the phone away and looked up. I'm as confused as you. I don't know what he's talking about. Jin let out a little gasp, almost like she was about to cry. What's going on? Victor asked her. What was that howling? N N Nick, she said quietly. Th that's Apricot's fiance. Didn't I mention he was a werewolf? No, you mentioned he was a stockbroker, Victor said. So that means Liren has Apricot? Samson asked. <laughs> yes, Jin said, bursting into tears. They were all quiet while they took in this new information. After a moment, Samson said, I guess it's time for a fight. And so we come to the end of a very shocking episode as they prepare in the secret tunnels to take on Liren amid the hurt feelings of betrayals, lies, and unexpected werewolves. You've been listening to All Vampires Are Gay. This episode was created, written, and performed by Corwin Rosewood. Produced and composed by Parker Frost. With additional production, mixing, editing, and engineering by the team at Studio Corwin. If you enjoyed this episode, consider supporting our show today so we can make more episodes in the future. You can find all the ways to support us at CorwinRosewood.com. Thank you for listening.